0: The Knott family mystery. Christmas Eve, 2020, a family vanishes in the middle of the night. The front door left wide open, both cars in the driveway, the table set for dinner. The only clue left behind, a note saying they're acting of their own free will. Where did the Knott family go and why? I'm Dawn Christensen, and you're listening to the Knot Family Mystery Podcast about the unsolved disappearance of Ray and Carla Knot and their six children.
1: Is the coast clear? Great. Welcome to the secret version of Untying the Knot's. When you first
2: consider changing your family configuration, whether it be divorce, legitimation, a custody action, and whether you thought about it on your own or your spouse has raised the issue, your brain gets filled with an extraordinary amount of questions and an extraordinary amount of emotions.
1: I'm Dawn. And I'm Kristen. And we're going to be answering all of your family law questions in hopes that it will help alleviate some of the unknowns you're wondering about. Welcome to Untying the Knots. Between the two of us, we have 45 years of legal experience. We've been involved in over a thousand cases, including our own. We've handled all types of issues involving families, including same-sex marriages, divorces, custody modifications, and child support. We've had clients who've been married and divorced to each other multiple times, and we've helped people who have been together for as little as two weeks, and those who've been together for over 30 years. Our hope is that you use this podcast like a search engine by scanning through our show notes for the main Untying the Knots podcast or on the podcast tab of our website to see a list of every question that we answer. We will give you the exact time on which episode to look for in both the main version of the podcast and the secret version.
0: Should I open a credit card in my name before filing?
1: Yes. I Why agree. do you think I say that? I agree. If for no other reason than to have the resources to go through the process, but also, I have I represent a lot of female clients, and it happens to be that in a lot of situations, the their spouse has the more financial control in the relationship. And as a safety mechanism, and just as a precaution, I will advise people to make sure they have access to in, to money on a, their, a credit card or have money in a savings account or something like that, so that they can. Protect themselves.
2: Right. And sometimes what you want to do, you may not qualify for a credit card when you're not married to that spouse, depending on what your work status is. Right. So you may want to get it before you're divorced so that you qualify as well. I think it's really important because let's say that we did put the attorney's fees on that credit card and we've got a judge that isn't going to award it, Mm -hmm. award fees till late in the case, then that's still a debt you're going to ask the judge. To have the two of you split, right? But you've got it funded, right? So yes, I think it's a really good idea. Why is my soon-to-be asking for so much in the divorce? So we hear that question all the time. Yes. We get so many phone calls from, "I just got this divorce petition, and and she wants the house, <laughs> and she wants me to pay her attorney's fees." So. There are many divorce petitions or form petitions that we all use. And as lawyers, what we don't like to do is give away or fail to anticipate something that our client may be entitled to. Later on, right? So we're going to ask for a lot, right? We're going to we're going to ask for equitable division. We're going to ask for custody. We're going to ask for child support. We're going to ask for the marital home if our person wants to live in the marital home. We're going to ask for attorneys' fees. The mere fact that it's being asked for which is just it,
1: an ask, not a requirement. In the divorce petition doesn't mean you're getting it. Exactly, and so often people, when they see that initial petition are like, what? But remember that as part of this process, you'll be served with a petition, but you have an opportunity to respond to that petition in your answer, which is where you either admit or deny what they've requested. Do I agree with this request? Do I not agree with this request? You have an opportunity to put that into writing, your attorney will, and then you also have an opportunity to then ask for what you want from the court in your counterclaim. So the petition is not the end-all be-all. And from a legal standpoint, there are certain requests that must be made at the outset of the case, or just strategically, it makes most sense to do that. And that often happens, especially with attorney's fees. Right. Um, The one thing I want to say that you see in divorce petitions is the grounds
2: for divorce, Right. right? And we are a no fault state, meaning that you may plead for and pleading means ask for a divorce from the court without assigning fault to either side. Right. And that the grounds for that in Georgia are called irreconcilable differences. We we just can't resolve the differences between us. As a general rule, we like to do irreconcilable differences because it does not inflame things right off the bat. Right. You can always amend your grounds for divorce to Maybe adultery or cruel treatment, you know something like that, but if there is a hope for settlement and we believe that every family needs to stay out of court as much as possible, yes. which means settle their disputes um if there's a hope for settlement, then you don't want to inflame it right off the bat, and um. And good lawyers will generally tell you that. We'll say, let's start out with irreconcilable differences and we can always amend. So a petition is just a request. Doesn't mean they're getting it. And you get to lay out what you want in response to it.
1: I propose with a ring that's a family heirloom. Can I get that back during the divorce? Yep. Oh, I was going to say no. Were you really?
2: (laughs) So think about this. You propose with a ring. You're not married yet. I give you the ring. Mm-hmm. What is it of yours? It's premarital property,
1: right? That's why I said, "Can I get it back?" Oh no! Oh, duh! <laughs> <laughs> but that's a good explanation as to why you can't get it back because <laughs> you've given it to someone before you got married. It's not marital property; it was a gift. I, I just had this come up with a current client who was like, "I want my engagement ring back and the and the wedding ring," and. um I think there can be some argument over the wedding ring if it was given after the actual marriage was legal. But an engagement ring, you just had to chalk that up. I mean, it was a gift that you gave um, before the marriage and in consideration of you getting married and y'all got married. So it's. Yeah, because you're forming a marital contract. Right.
2: So that's part of the marital contract, right? So, I, and I just mediated this case last week where one of the biggest issues was getting back that family heirloom and the sisters are
1: all over the guy, get mm-hmm. it
2: back, get it back. We never wanted you to give it to her to begin with. <laughs> I'm like, oh.
1: So think about that when you're proposing to someone. You, right. Well, the getting,
2: sisters were really mad that, they, that mama didn't give it to them.
1: I'm sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Will I actually have to split my family inheritance with my spouse?
2: Probably not. So let's say you got an inheritance during the marriage from your dad and you kept it separate. Right. If that came into a joint account and y'all started commingling all those funds, then that's, we may have an issue. Right. And it may become marital property that's divided. The court has discretion in how it divides it. Right. But it may, by commingling, you
1: turn it into marital property. So you get an inheritance, you keep it separate. Yeah. Your best bet is to keep it in an account with only your name on it. Does my ex have a claim to assets that I brought into the marriage? Typically, no. Typically, if you have separate property that was yours prior to the marriage, it remains your separate property. I say typically, no, because there are situations where property assets can be commingled into the marriage. And that typically has more to do with financial assets and that typically has to do with including the person's name on an account or using those funds then for household and marital expenses if they had previously just been separate. Right. So the first big inquiry the court's going to make is what
2: is a premarital asset and what's a marital asset. And premarital assets, you're just going to have to prove that you had them beforehand. So where we see this more often than not, for instance, are 401K accounts. Mm -hmm. Um, People will have been contributing to a 401K for 10 years prior to getting married, and then we have to segregate out that portion and any gains or losses from – the subsequent marital contributions. But yes, or you can keep your own assets as long as you can prove they're premarital.
1: Right. I'm the breadwinner of my family. How
2: do I calculate alimony payments? Well, good luck with that. There's no formula. Right. There's no (laughs) specific way to do it. At least here there's not. Yeah in some states there are percentages of income, there's some other formulas. In many states there are no formulas and it's really based on
1: a person's reasonable needs. Emphasis on reasonable. Let me just say... Not your $2,000 housekeeper. The
2: $2,800 hair care products and services that I saw on a budget yesterday would not
1: be reasonable. You don't think that's reasonable? $2,800 a month to get my hair done? So somebody went to Germany
2: to buy their German Shepherd. (laughs) And that was an expense on the budget.
1: Well, yeah, because how else would she know it was German? Okay, sorry. Yeah, Seems reasonable to me.
2: <laughs> yeah. So so what I said to what I said in that case is okay. So the judge that will be hearing this, this judge makes, you know, this amount of money. Right. And if a jury heard this issue, because in Georgia a jury can hear financial issues, and a jury hearing that issue may make minimum wage. So <laughs> You purchasing your German shepherd in Germany, they might not consider that reasonable. Correct? Okay. So it's based on reasonable <laughs> needs versus the ability to pay, right? And what judges won't do, I tell this to people all the time, is they're gonna make not making him print money. If he only brings in $10,000 dollars net a month, they're gonna figure it out based on ten thousand dollars. If you want ten thousand dollars
1: a month in alimony It's not gonna work. They're
2: not gonna that's that's
1: a math problem. Correct. It it's not gonna create money out of nowhere. And it, people really have to wrap their heads around when you're going from one household to two households, it is a huge income shift for everyone. It's you will not in most cases, be able to maintain the exact same level of living that you were as a singular household, because now there's two different households to support. So to think about that. And the research is, you know, really clear. More women go into poverty as a result
2: of divorce than men do. This podcast will be updated every few months to reflect any development in the law and any additional questions you might have. If there's a question you haven't heard answered, email us at info at and we'll add it to one of our updates.
1: Please share this podcast with any of your friends or family who have family law-related questions. If you are in the state of Georgia and would like to reach out to our offices, please call us at 404 909 8300 or email us at info at smithfileslaw.com.
0: The content on Untying the Knots does not constitute legal advice or the practice of law by Kristen Files, Don Smith, or Smith & Files, LLC. Listening to the podcast does not form an attorney-client relationship between you and the podcasters. All listeners should consult with a qualified legal professional regarding their individual questions, needs, or issues that may be of concern. We are not responsible for any action taken by a reader based upon any information on this site. All of the content Content on the podcast is for general information and educational purposes only. Don Smith and Kristen Files are licensed to practice law in Georgia.